my portfolio went down 50%. What the fuck? <laughs> so I lost like a quarter million dollars, right? Oh, oh shit. And, and this is something, I've never done that before, right? I've never lost, I never lost pretty much any money, almost. Yeah. You know, what do you do in that situation? Do you just literally like find a dark, dark corner and cry for like a couple <laughs> hours? Because I feel like that's what I would do. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, there was some dark nights. There was some, you know, in the shower, curled in the fetal position. <laughs> I, I bet, dude. I started smoking. It gets better every time. Every time. <laughs> Good evening, everyone out there listening. Uh, I'm Jeremy, the host of Unlicensed and Unhinged. I'm here with my guest star and sick-ass motherfucker friend for life, Mike, Mike Gaddy. Mike Gaddy here. Welcome back, everyone. Good to be back. Good to see you, Mike, after the Good night you had you. last night. I know night. I was MIA for a little bit. <laughs> it doesn't happen often, but uh, last night I was MIA. Yeah, he had, a, he had a little accidental trip and fall into a bender. We've all been there before. Uh, today's guest... I trip and fell into a bed full of beautiful women, too, so I'm not too mad about it. Nice. Honestly, that is ideal. <laughs> and that's going to bring me into today's guest. is a close personal friend of mine and former roommate. Uh, Andrew, Andrew, why don't you give yourself a little introduction to the individuals out there listening? Hi, guys. My name is Andrew. I am from Santa Cruz, California. I uh, moved to Reno uh, about three months ago for the third time. <laughs> That's true. And so I'm hoping, uh, yeah, thanks. It's, welcome, it's welcome good to be back. here. Third time's the charm. Welcome back again. I yeah. think this might be the one, dude. I think it is. Yeah. I'm starting to settle in, yeah. you know, get used to the Reno vibes. So uh, go ahead and tell everybody who doesn't know us intimately how, uh, how we came to know each other from your perspective. And I'll, uh, I'll chime in after you're done and uh, play my part out. Jeremy, yeah. So I, um, I was looking for a room to rent, came over to the spot, met uh, Jeremy and Forrest, and immediately Jeremy was uh, interrogating me <laughs> about my past, looking deeply, intensely into my eyes to see if I was lying or not. <laughs> um, I probably threatened a waterboard. I know that look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little waterboard talk, yeah. a little murder talk, um, some good jokes, good drinks. Were we there partying the first night when, like, the very first time you moved in? The first we, day, actually. Yeah, that I we met. were we were there, weren't we? Yeah, I don't remember. I think we were you there. came over with your brother, yeah. Ben, uh-huh. with hard, Mike's hard lemonade. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't remember because uh, uh, the former roommate Forrest uh, has a little bit of difficulty with uh, turnover of roommates. He doesn't get along with people very well, so it's like all of the new roommate move-in. Memories are all jumbled in one terabyte file in my head. <laughs> yeah, that first time I moved in, I was out within a month. <laughs> but that wasn't, you know, Forrest necessarily as, no. as, as far as my own, uh, my own stuff going on. Um, so, yeah, I knew you very briefly for the, you know, about three weeks. And I uh, moved in for the second time about six months later. And I think that time is when we really got to know each other. For sure, for sure. Um, went out a few times, drank, got fucked up. And um, really, really became friends. It definitely, for sure. I'd say I'd count you and in, in, in my circle of brothers, which, you know, includes all of the Gaddies and uh, a few other people here and there in the city of Reno. But uh, it's just uh, it's a brotherhood. It's a brotherhood based on uh, respect, interest in each other and our hobbies and our differences in hobbies and our ability to kind of come together and fill out a whole bigger picture, if that makes sense. A lot of roommate situations don't necessarily turn into friendship situations, and vice versa. Even when you pull a friend in as a roommate, sometimes that ruins a friendship situation. Sure does. But uh, Andrew has been nothing but 
cooler and cooler ever since I met him and more in and more in and just uh, really click. Yeah. And uh, from my perspective, it was, it was good to meet a young guy that was in, I would say, kind of a little bit of an underground space. And, and by that, I mean, you know, everybody's got their job or their grind or whatever they do. And just kind of a hybrid in, in the way that a lot of the people in the crypto and the, in the investment spaces are usually like all in on that. You know what I mean? On one or the other. Or maybe they're trying to get there and they still have a day job. But he, Andrew's always kind of been doing a little bit of both. You're a bit more diversified? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely now super crypto focused. Okay. Um, but my passion started in macro economics. Mm-hmm. So just, I was just, I'm just a nerd. Nice. You know? Uh, I want to get rich, and I figure the best way to get rich is study money. That's one thing we all have in common. Yeah. 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 You know, and we're all at various stages of our get rich schemes. Which Hell is yeah. which is always a great which is always a great thing though to have a diverse group of get rich schemers, you know. <laughs> yeah, one's got to break through eventually. Yeah, one of us yeah, got to get. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I took the slow and steady method, and I've been I've been building my nut. Oh yeah, for Ooh. a long time <laughs> through real estate, which is a different which is a different grind altogether than, mm-hmm. you know, the, the high turnover rates or the high profitability risk margins of like the stock market have always kind of looked like something I didn't want to fuck with, you know, like, right. mm-hmm. are you in stocks and crypto and all that? Right now I don't or have before, any stocks. When, we were, when I met you, like you were stocks too, right? I had a little bit of stocks. And I know that's like between you leaving and coming back, there were some major ups and downs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We can get into that. We should get into that. That's, yeah. that is, that is a very interesting part of your story. And, and it, it really, strikes into one of the greater themes of all the conversations I like to have and all the things that I'm about. And it's like a good old try, fail, try again story. Just, mm. It just really sings to my soul, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so why don't you tell us about, why don't you tell us about your, uh, if you want to summarize your experience in, in the market and the ups and downs and how, how it's gone for you. Yeah, so I mean... When I found crypto, it was late 2020, and within, I would say, two weeks, I quickly realized that this shit's about to blow the fuck up. So I sold my surfboards. I had two cars. I sold a car. What, what, what year was that, real quick? 2020. Okay, 2020. Yeah. Bitcoin was 7000 8000 mm-hmm. So, yeah, I started selling everything I had, telling everybody I know, go all in on crypto. <laughs> everybody thought I was crazy, right? One of those fucking guys. <laughs> One of those guys. But I was actually right at that moment in time. You were? Um, yeah. Uh, within three months of that, I did 2,000% returns cool. on average. That's God, that's God mode in the, that's in crazy. the, in the trading I thought you were going to say $2,000 in some measurement, but you said 2,000%. Yeah. 2,000%, 20x. So put yeah. in 1,000. You Damn. get twenty thousand. Put mm-hmm. in ten thousand, you get two hundred thousand. Stronger. Um, of all your investments and all the crypto things that you've ever done, what was the what was the peak number of your nut? If you don't mind sharing it. Half a million. Half a million. And what'd you what'd you start with? Ten thousand. Ten thousand. That ain't fucking half bad, my guy. It's not bad at all. That not ain't bad. Half bad. <laughs> the way I look at it, and we'll get to this later, but I look at it as investing as a sport i went in as a rookie mm-hmm. i went yeah. straight to the fucking super bowl yeah and then yeah. got smoked <laughs> that's a good way to put it for someone Didn't like me score a fucking point yeah. at the super bowl, a but i went to the super bowl <laughs> you made it there yeah, yeah. you did i made it 
Nice. And, um, That's a great analogy. Yeah, so now I'm going into my sophomore season, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good. I mean, nice. from the outside looking in, though, I think that it's probably the most beneficial thing that could have happened to you. To have that early success and then to get your fucking pee-pee slapped yeah. and get and knocked right back Some people, in. when they get their pee-pee slapped, just give up. Mm-hmm. Facts. You know? That's so true. So for me to hear that you had come back around a couple of times, <laughs> and it made sense because I, I, when we first met, I, I felt the connection right away. I'm like, this guy's fucking cool. You're mellow. Yeah. Way unlike Jeremy. Jeremy's off the hinges. I'm, I mean, I'm a little Jeremy's bit nuts. much. I'm a little bit much. <laughs> so, <laughs> but to, yeah, to meet Andrew, and I'm more of a mellow guy myself most of the time. I was like, okay, this guy's cool. He's wild but mellow like me, you know. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So me and, me and my girlfriend River today, we went out. One of her friends uh, volunteers for this group that's called Bees for Vets. So we went out and we put bee suits on and we learned how to take care of these beehives. And for me, it was cool because it was like a throwback because I had a lot of experience with that yeah. in my past, you know. So it was a really cool experience. But there's all these vets out there. And, like, they're all being respectful because the two individuals that run this program are, like, 70-year-old people, you know, like mm-hmm. a, a man and his wife. Right. And, and they're, about, they're just super bee nerds, you know. You could just tell. They eat, sleep, and breathe everything about bees, bee diseases, the whole nine yards, all the different things you can do, treat for mites. It was pretty cool to learn about it, that side of it, because I never heard any of that, you know, when I, when I took my past foray into bees. But uh, they're all kind of, like, being polite because it was like the beginning of the being program. Being polite. They're being polite. You know, the, all the other veterans are sitting there, and someone would say something, and it was like a perfect setup for a, that's what she said. Uh-oh. You know, and like all these veterans are used to being complete fucking degenerate. They're just staring you know? at each other, like <laughs> yeah, and, and then there's me, and Mike, you'll probably be able to speak to this pretty fucking well. You already fucking know. Like, I did not give one shit that there's 70-year-old people right there. Like, check it out. If you're running a program... For veterans, you know what you to already <laughs> fucking you get what you get, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So I just started cracking some fucking foul ones right off the bat, and these guys are dying in bee suits, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and the lady was laughing. The lady was laughing pretty good, and the husband was kind of getting a little chuckle. But she's like, "You got to stop making everybody flail around and laugh. The bees don't like it." <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> there was actual bees there. No, the bees it was it was a full. There was I, I would say there's probably shit. I didn't count them, but there's probably about twelve different boxes, different hives. Oh, I thought you were going to say count the bees. No, no. There, <laughs> I mean, there was literally thousands, thousands of bees. Of bees. So there's thousands, a good number yeah. of bee boxes there. Yeah. So they were actually present. So the fact that you were getting people all laughed up. up. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm also, I'm also comfortable around bees, you know, so I wasn't like tripping because if you're in a bee suit, like you're not, the ones we were wearing were just the top half. You <laughs> oh, know? you guys were in like the professional bee suits that you use to like pick up bee boxes. I yeah. thought I was imagining like bee costumes. Like, no, what better. the fuck, that was, <laughs> bro? You you find you find. I had 12, a whole different vision of what you were talking about. That's right hilarious, now. though. I, honestly, we would have probably died of heat stroke because it was kind of warm today in Reno. It was but that would have been hilarious. It was still like fifty degrees when I was driving down here, um, and it's like. You um, mean when you fucking woke up at three p.m.? I woke up at six p.m. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, that happens sometimes. But no, that would have been hilarious if we were in bee suits. But we're actually in the, the bee protection suit. It's probably a better way to say now that. Now I'm getting it. So it's got a big old dome on it and yeah. like a net. And it's got layers so the bees can't sting you. But That's uh, really cool. It was a pretty cool experience. And I, I can imagine for someone who never, there was, in fact, one guy that was there at the beginning. And like we got our suits on. And at he the was, beginning? He was chilling. 
Are you gonna make that one every time? <laughs> I'm gonna keep making I, I did. I did it too. I did it too. So many times a day. Like I, I, I had a second where I'm like, "Fucking Mike!" But then I realized that like I made like 500 B jokes today. Like uh, River start brought out her phone and start taking pictures and video. I was like, "Oh yeah, get that B roll." <laughs> nice. <laughs> but that being said, you know, I think my original point now that I've talked myself in circles is that I am quick to start talking some real degenerate shit. And no matter what my surroundings are, I do not give a fuck. Like, you can fire me if I work for you, but you won't because I'm great at everything I do. Yeah. Or you could just get on board and understand that, well, like... Well, I remember, like, the first day meeting Andrew, we were sitting at the the bar table at that house that you had where we would always oh, yeah. sit, right? Yeah. yeah. And I just remember seeing him look at you in, like, such, like... like Disbelief? No, not disbelief, just, like enjoying it so much like he's mellow yeah. and like i don't have to worry about him stressing me out or nothing or doing anything crazy <laughs> like jeremy does and he enjoys he enjoys a jeremy just as much as i do yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah a lot of people when they first meet jeremy are like what the fuck yeah i mean that's basically the general consensus i think <laughs> me and andrew are just like <laughs> nod and smile <laughs> <laughs> like it'll be okay what's that balance i'm so mellow <laughs> i can't it'll be okay it'll I, I, i'm so mellow that i like you know that balance mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the other side of the spectrum, you know, yeah. um, interests me for sure. This definitely, hilarious. this, this collection of individuals that I have with me definitely <laughs> leads my mind to this like familiar concept that I've thought about many times before. And it's like in any group of people that are close, there's like roles that kind of emerge, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying like a hierarchy thing within the group. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how we all have, like our alternate skill set. Like if you wanted to compare it to a video game, like somebody's a shaman, some, somebody's a healer, and right. somebody's like a warrior, yeah, right? Someone's yeah. a dwarf, someone's yeah. a wizard. And it, and it yeah. ties... Yeah, exactly. You got, everybody's got <laughs> their thing. But, but to tie it in in an even more real and, and cohesive and funny way, it's like we're all, we're all an unlicensed something, right? Mm-hmm. Like I consider myself, and most people would probably that know me would probably agree... I'm definitely an unlicensed therapist. For I'm sure. always digging into everybody's feelings and thoughts and things that have gone on, and, and I'm all about growth and, and accountability and talking about it. Mike is sometimes an unlicensed pharmacist, I'd say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and then we have Andrew over here. He's our unlicensed financial advisor. So it's yeah. just perfect. It's, oh, a, yeah. it's a great match, you know. It is. And then we, got, mm-hmm. we got a lot of roles and room for, for, for uh, additional unlicensed individuals right you know you just don't don't ever go with an unlicensed contractor that's jeremy's dad advice for the day yeah unlicensed contractor is no good no bueno gotcha that's how your house burns down yeah well i mean if you build something permanent you also have to have it done right right allegedly allegedly (laughs) (laughs) so that's fun uh let's talk about anything in the current events that might be interesting to you guys Um, well i could say something about what you were just talking about you said unlicensed contractors Last night, I went to get a haircut at 10 p.m., and I text Jeremy. Jeremy. So fucking weird. Jeremy's trying to figure out what I was doing, and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, going to get a hair, I got a hair appointment at 10. He's like, who does hair at 10? And I was like, professionals. So there's this guy named Sean Connor. It's called Styles by Sean Connor. He used to have shout this. Shout out to Sean. Shout out to Sean and his uh, operation that he has going on. I'm actually glad to be able to connect and use my network to help his network. Um, Jeremy, you will hear more about this specifically yeah. later on, but... Um, Got my haircut, and he's in this new shop. The first shop I used to go to, and one of the things about it is I was working at Mercedes-Benz at the time. I'm a salesman. I needed to look sharp as a tack, as we say, and I needed a good barber, for one, and I needed somebody who was available all the time because anybody who does car sales knows you can be there a lot of, a lot of hours. This guy's open till 11 p.m., 
He takes appointments all the way up to 11 p.m. And he will continue to take them if he's making money and, and you know, reasonable people. Some people come there in a hurry and, you know, want to rush him around. But, you know, he's got all these disclaimers on the website now. But anyways, he's a barber, and his first shop was just him. And it was a tiny-ass little shop that you would get claustrophobic in if he didn't all have – he's got a really nice – oak cabinet with drinks and the drinks are all complimentary nice. 60 dollars for a haircut that's the minimum service you can get 60 bucks that makes sense though for the, the convenience and the yeah, drinks that's the totally how reasonable. late it's open yeah you, get, you can grab a beer sit and he has these really nice massage chairs and all of this was crammed into a little like i don't know 15 foot by 15 foot room that's not a big room right no not it's at all small yeah but now he's got this huge space that can fit i don't know it's got two booths set up already He's got the massage chairs. He was setting up this lighting fixture. Man, I should have taken a picture of it. You'll, you'll probably see it. But um, what I'm getting at with the contractors is, is this new place that he has. He's only been in it since the beginning of the year, so a few months. And the flooring is not in. There's only two booths, like, halfway set up. The receptionist desk is just like a rolling table right now. <laughs> it's all just drywall, um, and they're, they have a lot of work to do. And they can't do carpentry for some reason because of health, health reasons, some, some building codes that because he's a barber and it's a health thing, he has to use certain types of materials to build like... Yeah, for boots, sanitary reasons. For sanitary reasons, like yeah. So he needs, he needs help, but he needs certain types of people that can pull certain types of contracts. And we, we were talking because I'm in construction and I do customer service, but I know a lot of people that probably yeah. have the resources to pull that and help him out. But then last night when I went out to the wigs and onesies party, I was talking to Jonathan Johnson his handyman services he's got a professional oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. handyman service another shout out another to john. Shout out. jonathan yeah jonathan johnson um i forget the name of his handyman service but <clears throat> i um sent sean the link for that so now i'm connecting my resources to his resources and i was telling him while i was getting my cut that i want to have him on the podcast just to you know share resources and shout out and all that talk about his art talk, talk about his art that's his yeah. art yeah he's really into it he's actually a veteran too Nice. I, didn't, I just found that out last night when I was there. So. I always love to see veterans succeed, and I always like to do my part in uh, helping anybody in the network that I have, the network that Mike has. You know, it, that's a, the, that's one of the most important things to me, and that's one of the that's one of the maybe the founding principles of this podcast. Oh, biggest little handyman services. That's the name of Jonathan Johnson's. Business. Oh, nice. Thanks. Biggest little handyman services. Thanks for clarifying that. Shout out to them. I've seen his work. Does great work. And he does great work. Um, one of the foundational reasons for this podcast is an expression of, of my art, Mike's art, all of our friends in, in the, the music and entertainment industry out here in Reno. And, you know, in, in, in some ways, you know, Andrew, this ties back to you, like your art might be finance. That might be one of your expressions of art. But other than that, do you think there's any um, like large scale artistic endeavors that like speak to you? That's a really good question. Um, research in general, I know it sounds pretty broad. Yeah. But um, there's definitely an art to that. Yeah, though. there definitely. There's is. an art, yeah, at being astute and being able to, if you're you know researching a particular industry or topic, figuring out who to listen to, who not to listen to, how to find information, how to find it. You guys ever heard of Nardward? It's it's a big art. Have What's you that? heard of Nardward? Yeah, for, uh, hip hop. Yeah, he yeah, does the, uh, the yeah. interviews with with famous artists and like and he one of, blows their mind. Yeah, one of his key things. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I found this out about you when you were two years old on this baseball field. You were digging for moles and yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. like, how did you know that? He's like, what the fuck? Yeah, so that I've is even, art. I've even seen people get mad. They're so, like, what the fuck? Yeah, are you a <laughs> fed? Yeah, yeah. I think it was Trippy Red. Trippy Red was like, are you the cops? Are you? Yeah. 
I mean, I, I would be thinking that too, real talk, if right. I didn't really know someone that well and they're just popping shit off. From it's like, like magic. When five, when somebody like, finds out some shit and like blows your mind with like stuff that you shouldn't, they shouldn't know. Yeah, that's so great. research can be definitely an art. That's, that's good for and, sure. and knowing how to do it is critical because just you can search what is the theater on it on Google, right? That's not really research. That's not research, yeah. You know what I mean? You have yeah. to be able to speak the language of the search. And you have to be able to understand the applicable, whether it's like a scientific journal or whether it's a financial sources. journal and the sources. You have to be able to filter out the bullshit. In this world, that oh is becoming God. incredibly fucking difficult to really do. Difficult. Yes. You know what I mean? It's almost impossible. Yeah, and you're filling in the blanks a lot using probabilities. What's mm-hmm. most likely fills in that blank, but understanding that you might be wrong and mm-hmm. figuring out uh, all those missing pieces connecting the dots. Um, and like you said, in today's world, it's just getting more difficult and more difficult as the day goes by. Yeah. It's like, if you think about it like a machine, right? You got, your car's got an air filter, right? If information flow 20 or 30 years ago was that same car, right? The air filter would be proportional to that car's air filter, right? But in the modern day and age and the easy access of internet and all of the shit that is on it is basically unfiltered. Your car filter yeah. would be half the car now in order to filter all that bullshit. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, you, you literally have... In comparison? In comparison, yeah. I mean, back in the day, someone could tell you they were in the fucking Olympics. And you would be like, oh, damn, right? But now I'd be like, bitch, the fuck you say? Let me look this Just up. <laughs> What's <laughs> your name? I'm putting it in Google my right coworker, now. <laughs> my coworker, Lily, is so good at doing this stuff online. Like, we, yeah. we have, you know, people that, like, homeowners and stuff that do certain things and we're like we want to find out about this and she'll find it right away yeah well that you know i would say and this is this might come off a touch sexist but i think it's a it's, it's like a positive funny sexism if if, the, if such a thing exists it's like you do not want to fuck with a woman's research ability dude <laughs> like if you're fucking around like she, she will, will find, find out. out dude <laughs> yeah. she she will has that's a good spin-off to fucking around and find out. If, if you're fucking her. around, she will find she out. She will find out, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, and if it's not her, then one of her fucking closest Some friends will, will dig up all this shit, bro. They will come with receipts, and they will put you on blast. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Somebody gave us a bad review, and there was this super unreasonable person. <clears throat> on the oh, podcast? No, 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 at work. Um, uh, we haven't had any reviews yet, which... Uh, <clears throat> To all of our friends and uh, people listening out there, it. get the fuck on it. <laughs> so we got a bad review from this really unreasonable customer who was cussing her out on text messages and over the phone. And apparently they own a consulting company. And um, we were like, well, I wonder how she does on her business. She's got a bunch of Yelp reviews. And she was like, have you guys looked at your Yelp reviews? Which, by the way, for our division, we have... 11 bad Yelp reviews out of thousands of homes that we've sold. <laughs> right, yeah. And one of them is hers. Yeah. So she literally like, put a bad Yelp review in and then, and then texted me and Lily was like, hey, check your Yelp reviews. You guys suck. <laughs> I, find a, I find a bad review to be a, a waste of energy, personally, because like... It honestly could even end up helping the people because like, if you see how illiterate this person is and like what she's complaining about, most people are going to go, this person is unreasonable and like... Fuck what she said. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyways, to end, end this little tangent or whatever side stories that we were like, I wonder what she does. So Lily found their consulting business online based on their name. I don't know how she found the business and then looked up their reviews and what they do. And we were like <coughs> kind of surprised at it. Excuse the didn't, didn't believe them at first, but anyways, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's get a little bit back into that. Cause I feel like we, uh, I feel like we stepped on what you were saying over there. So art. back into art, mm-hmm. like back into art. What, what, 
the the art of the research. Let's say that that could yeah. even be that might end up being the name of this episode. Art for of all research. The art the art of the research, mm-hmm. right? In what way do you think you know like a person hones their art? A person takes an art, something that they're passionate about, they're interested in, and then they develop the skills associated with that art until they can become like a more effective and efficient artist. So what things do you think that you've done over the years that have honed your art, so to speak, in that manner? I've been defeated ruthlessly (laughs) Um, and had my ego smashed to bits. Nice. Um, That, that was a big thing for me because I think intellectually I have the skills, Mm -hmm. but emotionally, to be honest, a little immature. A little bit of hubris, maybe? A little hubris, a little... Um, I don't even know what that means. What you don't is, know what hubris means? No, it's, it's like okay, just ridiculous so, ego. Or? Yeah, well, hubris, hubris, I believe, comes from uh, Greek mythology. So hubris is basically like a belief in something that's so strong that you will ignore any other facts to the contrary. Like if, it, it, like if your self-confidence is so high that you walk up and try to punch Shaq in the face, right? <laughs> like, Shaq's not a professional fighter, neither are you, but he is four times your size, right? Yeah. Believing in yourself to a fault the hubris is what hubris, guy. yeah. And this is the definition from Google, excessive pride or self-confidence, quote, the self-assured hubris among economists was shaken in the late 1980s. Relevant. Well, how relevant, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <clears throat> investing will shake the hubris right out of you. Wow, <laughs> I bet, dude. And you know, getting bef- my journey before investing, my passion was like self development. I got into like Jordan Peterson, David Goggins, mm-hmm. you know, meditating, eating healthy, biohacking, all that stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And to be honest, investing put all that to the test. Yeah, in a way that I never expected. It I exposed think like greed even... and fear and ego. Yeah, it just strips it all out of you. That's and interesting. And I, for some reason, chose to be on a pu- like, oh, I'm going to be a public figure in the investing world, yeah. which even compounded the ego and compounded the... That's a great thing to talk about. So let's talk about that journey from being someone in the space, trying to learn it and be successful in it and having a lot of like really early solid success. Mm-hmm. How did that catapult you into the public space of investing? And uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I actually, part of my strategy at the beginning was... Find the best of the best. And part of my research skills, I believe I was able to do that. And I found this guy named Economic Ninja um, when he was really small. He had a public YouTube channel. He was super experienced, been investing for 40 years, and started making a YouTube channel. And so I joined his little group. I was the first person in there. There was like three of us. So I built a relationship with him. And he basically was the one to encourage me to build a platform. Like, why don't you make a YouTube channel? Why don't you do this? And I didn't feel completely ready, but having someone I respected so much, you know, encouraged me and my own ego. I was like, mm-hmm. fuck yeah, I'll do this shit. <laughs> Hell yeah. Everybody <laughs> wants somebody to be that guy. Yeah. yeah. And then like you think, yeah, the ego gets in and then like all this type of stuff. And Economic Ninja is great. And he's actually uh, right now the biggest economic channel on YouTube, possibly the world. That's he quite an accomplishment. Up. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. He's massive. He's great. Um, but yeah, he kind of gave me the nudge, and then I just I went for it. I started recording videos, started making you know posts, and talking out of my ass. Not talking out of my ass, but you know, kind of once you're in the spotlight, it, and I was a rookie, I kind of winged started it. Winged, winging it. Yeah. Is a good way to put <laughs> it. it. Well, you gotta yeah. suck at anything, right? Yeah. Before, yeah. before you get good at it, you gotta suck it. For a That's minute. cool though. Uh, yeah. 
I remember, I remember mm-hmm. early in the time where we were living together that you had to go out to a conference. You, mm-hmm. you were, had the opportunity, I should say, to fly out to a conference. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about that because I think that was a really fun time for you. It was fun and terrifying. So, <laughs> because it was right after the peak of my portfolio, and uh, I had agreed to go to this conference and speak in front of hundreds of people, some of the best economists in the world mm-hmm. <laughs> about cryptocurrency. And from the time I agreed to do the speech uh, to when I actually did it, my portfolio went down 50%. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so I lost like a quarter million dollars, right? Oh, shit. And, oh, and shit. this is somebody, I've never done that before, right? I've never lost, I never lost pretty much any money, <laughs> almost. Yeah. You know, what do you do in that situation? Do you just literally like find a dark, dark corner and cry for like a couple <laughs> hours? Because I feel like that's what I would do. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, there was some dark nights. There was some, you know, in the shower, curled in the fetal position. <laughs> I bet, dude. I started smoking cigarettes, which was crazy, and that just compounded yeah. my my misery because then I wasn't feeling healthy. And because then just, you're on a stimulant, all yeah, an- anxious. Yeah, and yeah like, like uh, I remember right before it didn't I did help, this, it just made it worse. Yeah, oh, way worse! Right before I was doing the speech, I was chain smoking cigarettes outside. But um, <sighs> yeah, so. It was an interesting experience. I still went up there, did mm-hmm. my speech, got a standing ovation. Killed actually. it. Killed um, it. Did actually pretty well. Um, I was grateful for the opportunity uh, building up to that to give you a little bit of like developmental training and mindset training in that because that's one thing I have a lot of experience with. I, I don't know if you remember exactly, but we talked about it a lot. I do. For sure. I gave you some like mental exercises to do, yeah. and it was funny to just watch you be, go be like. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Like Fuck built, yeah. Built like, I'm ready for this shit. And, but I hope it helped. I hope it helped when you went into that, that situation. Bro, it did. Um, do you remember you gave me a line to say? Oh. I don't remember exactly you, what You, it like, was. casually was suggested it, it? Yeah. but I don't think you were serious. No, and, I, I was and, definitely okay, serious. Yeah. Okay, well, I used it. And that line is what got me the standing ovation. Tell me so what it was. Kudos to you, sir. Tell me, tell me what it was. The line was, oh, my God, it was... I might be the only person in this room to do 100x in the last year. Something like that. Strong. Yeah, just something, just something, something strong. like real, like, like, yeah. like, yeah. like swinging dick on stage. Swinging dick around. Yeah. That's got me pumped up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just said it, and they all stood up and started clapping. They just like, God damn it. <laughs> I was like, holy Bangers, shit. Bangers, dude. Bangers. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah, here, so, at, here, at, here at the Jeremy <laughs> Granite uh, Billion Dollar Banger Network. <laughs> That's good, though. I, he I mean, said mic drop. Mic drop, boom. But that's the thing too, and it, it carried from this. It carried from this energy, just so people can understand where it came from. You know, it's not like I'm some famous speaker or anything. But one thing about the United States Army is part of their promotion process is you have to go to something that's called a board, right? So you get dressed up in your pretty dress uniform with all your medals and shit all lined up, nice and clean and presentable, and then you go to a door of a conference room, and inside that conference room are about three to five higher-ranking NCOs that are there to evaluate you as a leader and a soldier and fundamentals of the military, the regulations, and all of those things are on the table. You're supposed to study for months ahead of time one of these boards, right? But a lot of it is just your presence. And that's a lot of life. A lot of people don't the realize you bring this. into the room? Yeah, that's what it is. Because you... There are a lot of roads to success in these boards. Like, you could literally study your ass off and know every fucking question that they could possibly answer and answer them. But if you answer them 
like you're shook and like you're scared and you're not confident in your answers, you will underperform the guy that comes in and gets every single fucking answer wrong confidently. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So the first board I went to, I won it. And I won about 20 boards all in total in in the 13 years that I was going to boards in the Army. And a big part of that for me was the thing I did before I even stepped through the fucking door. The process is you're supposed to, so your sponsor, the person that's taking you to the board, they just stand in the back of the room, but they'll go in, they'll talk about you to those NCOs, and then the NCOs will be like, bring them in. So they'll poke their head out the door, and they'll say, okay, wait five seconds, and then knock. So when you knock, you're supposed to knock three times, boom, 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 right? And then they'll say, enter, and then you come in and you report to the board. Well, I hacked this fucking board shit the very first time because I was already pissed off. I didn't want to be there. I hadn't studied. I wasn't prepared. And they're kind of like forcing me to go because they want just somebody from that platoon to go. And I was the guy. So I'm just fucking pissed off. So he said, wait five seconds and then knock three times. I'm like, Roger, aren't. And he closes the door. Wait five seconds, and I fucking tried to beat the fucking door down. I was like, <laughs> bam, bam, bam. And he told me later uh, that the fucking NCOs on the board sitting at the table, they fucking jumped. They, jumped. they were, they were like, not oh, expecting shit. that, huh? And they had me come in, and I walked in like I was about to fuck their mom, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a, like yeah. a cursory knowledge of all the shit they were asking me, but I was just very direct yeah. and like aggressive in the way that I answered to them. And when I left, my sponsor told me, they were like, that's a fucking leader right there. Oh, nice. And I would have probably led someone like right into a fucking machine gun nest at that point because I was underprepared, fucking inexperienced. I had no fucking clue what I was doing. Uh-huh. But the fact that I had the, the energy or the presence to command respect yep. from people senior to me, that's so much more of the situation than a lot of people understand. And you don't want to cross the line to where you're just the overly confident fucking asshole who can't back up anything. Yeah. You know, that's not what I'm trying to say. Right. But what I am trying to say is if you do happen to already also know your shit, it helps to walk in like you got a fucking 14-inch cock. Yeah. It yeah. does really work. Yeah. It does wonders to be confident in the things that you do know. Yeah. And that was the only thing that you were struggling with before this event, as far as my perspective, from what I was sensing from you. You're like, I know my material. I know what I need to say. Like, but the crowd and all that, it's just going mm-hmm. to be scary. I'm like, nah, you just fucked their mom. That's your <laughs> fucking stage. That's your stage. You're eating their snack. Richard pudding. Dragon. Yeah. Richard Dragon is uh, one of my hood rat aliases. <laughs> Sometimes you'll meet him if I'm real fucked up, but not too often. I try to remain humble now as I get older. I realize my limitations and, and my, my value as it exists. But <clears throat> So what you were saying, though, is walk in like you're Richard Dragon. Dick Dragon. Dick Dragon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dick Dragon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people, that, that sentiment might not land well with if they don't understand what I'm actually trying to say mm-hmm. is this. Nobody wants to listen to the smartest guy in the room if he's shivering and fucking scared. It doesn't make you sound trustworthy. Yeah, I don't want to go with that It doesn't make you believable. It makes you feel uncomfortable. You're like, Jesus Christ, dude. This guy must be full of shit Mm -hmm. because he doesn't even look like he believes it, you know? Yeah. And that's one of the things that's kind of unfortunate in society, and maybe it's in the way that humans are wired from our our primitive days. Mm -hmm. It's like... A fucking dumb asshole can run everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. How many, how many of our politicians uh, and shit does that apply to? All you know? of them. Most of them, not all. 
But yeah, I, it was weird because I was, I was always the class clown, had no fear of public speaking. I was running school mm. until about my sophomore year. And then whether, you know, I have some ideas as to why, but I became hyper, um, whatever. You know, hyper self-conscious? Hyper self-conscious and, fr- and speaking in front of groups. Whether it's puberty or trauma at the house mm-hmm. um, or I a mixture re- of those yeah. both. Yeah, probably. That's probably where it stemmed from. Mm-hmm. So I'm still at the age of 28, about to be 29, trying to work through that. Well, that's important. You know? And, you know, that, that harkens to, uh, you know, another thing that I, we'll ha- probably have you back on in the future is uh, one of the segments we want to do for this podcast is unlicensed therapy. And I, I, I'm not going to do it now because we've got, a, you know, a bunch of different stuff that we're talking about. And we're keeping this one light and energetic. But one thing I really want to do with this platform, with this soapbox, so to speak, is I want to start normalizing conversations. Like right there where you're just like, hey, I, I was this. And then at some point it changed to this. Let's talk and about you, it. And you saying, I have these theories. Like that's, a, that's where men in, in the modern era, that's where we need to step up and become accountable. And that's where we also, as, as other men in the peer group, we need to, we need to create safe spaces and, and help fix or help at least alleviate that pressure because one of the things you know the traditional masculinity i think really misses not to say i'm one of those people that's like everything's toxic masculinity by by all means i'm not but i do think we've missed the mark a lot of times with our ability to just be like yeah man i had a fucked up childhood and this it caused me these problems and these are the things i'm working on now and to just say that out loud in a room full of other men you know 20 years ago, that was unfucking thinkable mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You'd be made fun of or emasculated or treated like you're a pussy or a sissy or one of these stupid fucking words, right? But the reality is that's where true fucking strength comes from. The ability to get inside of that trauma and fucking openly express it. Because what you're going to find is how many other fucking men are feeling that same fucking thing, mm-hmm. you know, or had similar situations and if you're spiraling alone on something, you're not going to be able to make as much progress or growth on it. So I, I just wanted to say that, you know, I'm not trying to get all into that with you right now. Yeah. I know that's a, that's a whole nother bigger conversation. Next time. One you got to get prepared for, you know, but the reality is this, there is no fucking reason for us to not have that conversation in the future. Mm-hmm. So anyway. For sure. My, my grandpa Benny used to always say, be a man, be a man. Yeah. And like what that meant to people in the 50s, 60s, and 70s was hide your feelings, be tough, don't cry, you know, and that's not really what true masculinity is about. And there's some truth to that. I feel like it's a pendulum, you know, For it can sure. swing For too sure. far the other way. Well, obviously. you definitely, you don't definitely want to be driven and by uncontrolled emotion. Right, that's yeah. definitely not that's what dangerous. you want. That's hella dangerous, especially yeah. for a man, you know, like, yeah. <clears throat> so there is a happy balance there. Mm-hmm. And I think it is important that we kind of start to culturally redefine that because boxing everything and holding it all inside and then fucking exploding like, you know, cops beating their wives and shit because they just see all this fucked up shit all day. Yeah. That's really they don't not. talk about it. Ever. Yeah, that's really not. That's really not or, it. Or, you know, school shootings and, and all that, that shit, kind of shit. All that shit. And a lot of it, a lot of it is a, a cultural situation. Yeah. That, you know, it's not going to shift overnight, but. No. Um, we'll let's see, there. let's get it back on the rails here because, um, I think we're kind of 
losing focus of the greater purpose, which is to get all the squeezed out little interesting bits from our guest, right? Right. So <clears throat> tell me a, another story or two from like the social component of that conference that you went to, what that was like for you, if you've got anything that comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, the most obvious was it was full of uh, a lot of precious metal buffs, and I'm the young guy coming in. Um, smelling like cigarettes, talking about crypto and how I made more <laughs> and how I made more money than all of you guys. And so they didn't, you know, some of them did not like me. They were way richer than me, you know, older than me. Yeah. Um, Trading silver and whatnot. Yeah, doing their silver thing, you know, happy with their twenty percent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for most people, twenty percent return on anything is quite excellent. Yeah, yeah. especially if the risk is yeah. low. Yeah. I mean, twenty percent on the low risk He's asset is great. Twenty percent, try two thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking pussies. <laughs> so I remember dinner that night, they didn't invite me to the, you know, the cool table. There was like the cool table, oh, oh you know, no. with all the speakers. Oh, boy. And I was like kind of, you know, not left out, but, you know, there was some shade going on. So you I was the only else? crypto guy there. Well, I was hanging out with the crypto kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the sharp bus in, in finance. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, I mean, you know, it sucks, too, in, in, in a way. It's kind of funny to, to say it like, oh, it's the short bus, you know, because a lot of people um, during the during, let's say, the era of your heyday in this in this industry, you know, you made all this money. A lot of people are making a lot of money. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then now we've hit now we've hit the bear market. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. and the downturn has happened. Yeah. And it has it cut deep. Yeah. So talk about that. Talk about that downturn and what it meant for you, someone like you in the space. Yeah, not to get too deep, but I feel like a part of me wanted to get fucked up and lose the market and experience it. Yeah, just so you could be ready for it. I've always been like that in life. I'm like, I just do the fucked up thing that's going to fuck me up because I want to know it. So next time, I don't know, I just, life's an experience. So Mm -hmm. let's experience what it's like to lose all your money. Easy thing I can relate to that is only fucking crazy bitches until deep, (laughs) deep into my 30s. Like I knew it was going to be a bad ride. Well, I shouldn't even say it like that because the ride was great. I'm, I'm still ride. in that phase. I'm still deep in that phase. Good, bro. Go, go, fucking go, go get some fucking w- windows shattered on your house or something. It's important. But, <laughs> but I always knew it was going to be a bad time in the end. You know, I always knew it was going to end badly, and it was almost like the anticipation of that fucking chaos and that bad ending was kind of part of the fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked up. Man. It's fucked up. It's like some masochistic shit. Yeah, Mike, what do you think? You got you got a Mike's Mike's got a little different, different, interesting perspective on this because Mike actually on what losing shit? No, no, like crazy bitches, crazy bitches. <laughs> do I have an interesting perspective? Yeah, on yeah, because you haven't had any like volatile crazy bitches in the recent past that I know about. Not really. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm lucky. I've never really had a. You got to talk to girls first to have, to, to get to, to be involved with crazy bitches. But. I guess maybe that's true, but I I don't know, Mike. You get you get a good get amount lucky. of female I attention. Of, I, I do get a lot of female. But it's attention mostly like sweet girls for the most part. Yeah. That mean well. Bitches love me. They do. That's true. I don't. I don't. There's no reason why they wouldn't. If they if like if I met a girl that was like ew, I'd be like oh bitch, you are probably something terribly wrong with you. Like that is a great man. I always tell people, Mike's. Mike's what I want to be like when I grow up, even though I'm much older than him. Not much, but somewhat older than him. A couple years. couple. I I actually, actually, it's going to get less and less because I've decided recently that moving forward, now that I'm in my late 30s, 
I, I'm going to tell everybody I'm 36 for at least the, at least the next 15 years. Just so, keep doing it as long as you can and, until it comes to a point where, like, there's no way you're 36. Exactly. That's what I was thinking because, like, right now I barely even look like I could be 35 or, or 6 anyway. You know what I mean? If I shave my beard, I look dead-ass like 28-year-old. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be 34 in a couple of weeks. I think I look my age. Yeah, you probably look, you look about your age, but I don't look my age. So I'm just going to tell everyone 36 until it's like, if I could get to 50, that would be a banger. If you told dude. me you were 28, I'd probably believe you. Yeah, for like sure. If I didn't know you? Yeah, most people would because I, I got this fucking baby face, dude. I hated it. <laughs> I fucking hated it when I was like 25. And like I would get carded by the same bartender like three times. I'd be like, "Bitch, you have seen maybe my she just fucking to, ID." Maybe she was just flirting, trying to memorize my address or something. <laughs> yeah. crazy, speaking of speaking crazy of bitches, crazy. I, I, I'm all trying to be cocky about it. Like, yeah, she's me- trying to memorize my address because she wants pieces. She's gonna rob me. She's like, dude, that dude's got a nice watch. She's pulling out hella bills. Fucking, I'm robbing his ass. <laughs> Yeah, so I lost all my money. Um, <laughs> nice, back at it. But did you lose all of no, your money? No, no, but it felt like it. Yeah, I bet. You know, when you're deep into six, uh, six figures and then it goes to the low six figures, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of afloat. This is probably the bottom, right? Yeah. So I'm chilling. And then, you know, Terra Luna collapses. Well, okay, even though you had all that money, I mean, obviously you're renting a room with Jeremy. Yeah. So it's not like you were buying a house, buying a, a car and a I truck, wish I did. buying an RV. Yeah, cuz then he would have had something. <laughs> <laughs> well, a house, that a house, was the greed. A yeah. house would be a uh, maybe a possible investment, but I'm talking about you don't you're not buying an RV, you're not buying a bunch of fishing equipment, you're not blowing all your money. Well, correct, uh, maybe, I don't know, are you? <laughs> correct me, correct me if I'm wrong on this. This is what I assume in that situation. The thing about investment is if you have $500,000 of investment, right? You have the ability to make millions of dollars because if you if you 20x your investment got to 500,000 and then you 20x that 500,000 then you're rich forever right so it's like why i have a car that runs i have a room that, that everything's good i just did it yeah yeah i just did the 20x yeah you i know? just did I mean, the 20x why would not car that you had when i met you so that's uh say that's smart what, financial. but that's the thing though if he had if he had 10x again and then 10x again, yeah. then he could have been Lambo rich. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's yeah. the thinking when you're we in that. We might be looking at a Lambo out that window. If yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's Which the addiction the of it. Soon. That's the addiction of it, I'm sure. And yeah. to make it worse is I called the top of the market because I, I had people who I was helping in crypto. And I told them, this is the top. But in my own portfolio, like Jeremy was alluding to, I was greedy as fuck. I was like, okay, there's going to be one more pump. There's going to be one more. You know, all I need is that one more. And then it goes down 20%. And you're like, oh, that's just 20%. Right, you, know, right, whatever, just, you know, it's just a little dip. Your heart drop and then bit? it drops another 20 And then it just, you know, and then you're trapped because you don't want to sell because you're down from mm-hmm. your top so much, mm-hmm. even though you're up from your bottom so much. It's just a big psychological wow. fuck. And then it's um, fucking Malaysian Airlines into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And yeah, you're like, so, fuck! Yeah, so from the top to the bottom. Yeah, so I wish I sold, right? Yeah. Or I wish I sold to buy a car. It was, yeah, you it would have been at least like a, you know. I like a Benz. You could have right? got a Benz or something nice. you know. Benz. Or a nice truck. You can make money with a truck, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, make, you can make money with a bottle of lube and a clean asshole if you really talk about <laughs> it. You can make money with anything, <laughs> At the bottom right? market, I thought about it. If you're creative it. enough, you can make yeah. money with anything, huh? Yeah, so at the, at the very bottom, which we're not at anymore. I mean, who knows? It could go back down. Uh, I was down 95%. So half a million turned into like, you know, 30,000. Oh my God. It's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Your life changes. Yeah. (laughs) So, so then I, um, 
I dipped out from Nevada back to California. I had a job that I knew I was making about 100K, you know, just go there, resettle, recalibrate. You, did you go back to a job that you had already had or? Uh, yes, yes. What was that? I was a banquet bartender. That's what I thought, some kind of bartender. Yeah, on the beach, Santa Cruz. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Not a bad way to live your life if you don't mind living in California, which I do. Yeah, but. yeah that, was a, that was a downside. But Santa um, Cruz is nice. A lot of tech money there. So if you're in the service sure, industry, yeah. you're eating off of Google, Netflix, mm-hmm. the big weddings, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The, last, the, the last job I did for this, tr- this tr- travel company that I was working for um, was down in S- San Diego area, uh, mm-hmm. Los Gatos. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. where that's at. I was born in Los Gatos. Oh, damn, bro. I was in your hood, bro. Yeah, gang. gang. <laughs> you I should have hit you up and, and, and got put on some got put on some fucking chaos down there although me and you me and you party a little bit different so yeah, I can get you, down, you, you, probably, get down. you probably would have put you probably would have sent me to like a fucking like His a, eyes, like, like a, son, a bible out, study didn't you go out with us in reno once or twice once or twice i feel like your eyes lit up when you were out you were like what is this yeah twice <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't categorize. and you know what i was so obsessed with investing that that was a big reason why i didn't want to party i was just like mm-hmm. almost obsessive and we're not going to get to the therapy thing but it was almost like i was just hiding from myself in some weird way. I'm always trying to get deep with it. But I was just obsessed with investing, so that's why I wasn't really into the partying. I think there needs to be yeah. a balance. There is I need, I need to work. Balance, yeah. That was part of my big flaw was I was I completely abandoned my social life, my family life, my relationships, you know, all got damaged because I was too obsessed with money. Which is good. Classes. I'm glad to see the growth from that because that was one thing I did always notice about you because I, I would do my best to invite you out, try to get you to come out and, do hood rat shit with me and my friends, you know, to a, to a reasonable level. Because one thing I will say is I know a lot of people, and Mike probably knows a lot of people, and their life just is party. You know what I mean? They're not really achieving anything in their in their personal financial uh, lives, and they're not really progressing themselves in their mental health or their personal development or anything like that. Some are, some aren't. Uh, some like the difference between there's two two, two there's I, I feel like there's two categories of their whole life is a party. There's people that are wasting all their money on alcohol, spending all their time out late, wasting all their energy. But another couple people that and I won't name any names, but that come to mind are people whose lives are parties because that's what they do for work. Well, and for sure, and that's for their sure. livelihood. Yeah, yeah. I'm more or less talking about the people that I got you. They it's like full escapism. Like yeah. they're not they're not they don't have a fucking five year plan. They're not doing anything. Like the people you're talking about that their their business is party. That's different. They have to they have to be disciplined about their approach, yeah. and they have to have financial goals within that, or or else it just does become a, a drain. What I'm talking about though is the most of the people that I like am truly close to that I keep in my inner circle are the type of people that are similar to the way me and Mike approach this. We work hard Mm -hmm. Monday through Friday. We have our jobs. We have our financial goals. We're building our credit. We're doing what we're doing. And for me, I had a whole military career of doing that. Right. But I will tell you what, when Friday night comes, I have no problem bendering all the way till fucking Sunday night. I've done it. Bussin. Bussin. I will bust it out. I will bust it out all over Reno. And everybody yeah. who knows me knows this is true. I seen it. But you but you will not you will not catch me out on Wednesday. You know what I mean? Like you're just not gonna. Maybe on a Thursday. Maybe on a Thursday. Maybe on a Thursday. Yeah, and that type of balance is exactly what I was missing and what I'm now trying to reintroduce into mm-hmm. my life. Because you were talking about people drowning out whatever mm-hmm. with the partying. I was drowning it out with the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know. And um, I noticed that about you, and I could tell because you, you know you're a young man, and this is this is prime, this is prime, having fun, 
getting laid, yeah. finding out about yourself, learning your limits, having bitches break into your apartment. Kind of. This need, is th- this is that time frame Wait, of your is life. Somebody broke into your apartment. No, no, no. no. This is that, that's all shit that happened to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> in Texas, I'll tell the story just because it's funny as shit. But uh, I've seen this girl for a little while in Texas. I was probably like 22, 23, and like everything was chill at first because it was super casual. You know, we, we hooked up a couple times. I met her out at the bars, and then like we we'd kick it, and it was super chill. And then at some point, she's like what are we? And I'm just like, fuck, you know, oh, like humans. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just that time in my life where I hadn't learned yet to just start with what I'm looking for. You know what right. I mean? Like I was still in that mindset of like, just happy to be here and like, don't say anything to fuck this up for yourself, which I learned real quick. And this was the incident that helped me with that. Like you might want to just open up with what your expectations are, what you're looking with, because you don't want there to be any fucking confusion. Well, there was some fucking confusion here. Let me tell you. So things started getting a little sideways, and I started making some distance between her and I. And, you know, she was kind of, like, always in my text, always calling me, and it was, like, a little bit of a problem. And so, I, you know, I kind of, like, stepped away from it, let her know that I wasn't interested in that anymore. And then one night I struck out or something, and she fucking called me, and I was like, fuck yeah. So we hooked up one more time. And I was like, ah, this was probably a bad choice. And it fucking was, dude. <laughs> it fucking was. So she, we made a plan to hang out the next night. And I kind of, like, went to work, did my thing. And then my buddy, Jimmy, he was like, let's go out to the bars and do some karaoke. Jimmy. It was, had to be a Jimmy. Yeah, he's like, let's do some karaoke. And I'm like, all right, fucking bet. Didn't even think about the plans I had with her. Like, left my apartment with the fucking TV on and everything. Just like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, went out to go out, right? <clears throat> So I come back at like 3 o'clock in the morning, and my fucking front door is kicked in. Oh, shit. Yeah, and I'm in fucking Texas, right? So everybody's trapped in Texas, and I certainly was as well. So I grab my gun, like, expecting, like, a home invader to be up in there, someone robbed me, and this bitch is just sitting on my couch, like... Oh, hi. Don't you remember we had plans tonight? Oh, shit. (laughs) And I'm like, you fucking kicked in my door? She's like, well... I saw the fucking TV and shit, I thought you were in here with some bitch, so I couldn't fucking handle it, so I just kicked in your door, and I was just like, oh my fucking God, right? <laughs> so, here I, I am. you were pissed. Yeah, you know, I was so pissed. And here I am, gun in hand, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I'm yelling at her. So one of my neighbors calls the cops. It's a bad scene. Yeah, so one of my neighbors <laughs> oh, calls shit. the cops. All bad. Right, and then the cops come, and I'm just standing at the top of a fucking stairwell with a gun in my hand, yelling at this young lady... This confused young lady, you know, right, I don't want right, to disparage right, right. her. She had every reason to be a little bit frustrated with me. But, uh, you know, ultimately, ultimately, yeah, ultimately, I was super pissed about it. But then I had to realize how much that was my own fucking fault. You know, like, yeah. I, I mean, like, Jeremy, you did this to you. You know what I mean? Like, ultimately, you as a person, it's easy for us to get mad and feel like someone did something to us. But a lot of times maturity comes when you can take a step back and be like, OK, what part of this is actually my fault? Right. You know what I mean? And it was in that moment that I adopted the, the mindset of like, every time I met a woman, I'd be like, look, I'm not looking for a girlfriend. This is what I'm trying to do. If you're interested in that, cool. Because it's also, it's actually a lot, it's a lot more honest and a lot more fair. And it's a lot more fully getting consent. You know what I mean? Because if you're right. just lying to some girl, telling her everything she wants to hear just to get laid... You're kind of a piece of shit. For sure. You know what I mean? And, like, it was in that moment that I learned, you know, okay, 
if I don't set these expectations, then if they're fucking crazy as shit after, then then you can proceed with a little bit more uh, strict and, and and maybe aggressive maneuvers. You know, then it's not. Then it's like, all right, I'm pressing like, no, charges we, we on this. Yeah, it's not, it's not like, lady we talked about this. Arrest her. Arrest her. <laughs> <Arrest that bitch. laughs> what, what happened? Did you get arrested? No, I mean the cops almost shot me, but they didn't. So that was cool. I was grateful for that. Uh, they did remove her from my. She apartment. broke into your place, right? Yeah, so. yeah. But then I also, which I mean, credit to this young lady because you know, kicking down a door ain't nothing. It, and she wasn't very big. She was like five two, like one thirty. You know, so she didn't use a tool or something. Like no, a she's bar? straight fucking. She straight donkey kicked the door in, dude. That was a kick of passion. I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, I don't know what. There's different ways to kick a door. There's different ways to approach it. It's a whole nother conversation. You sure you didn't leave it unlocked? <laughs> no, I'm 100 percent because the door because the door jam was blown it out. Was busted. It was blown out, dude. So I don't know if she meal kicked it open. Whatever she did, it fucking blew it open. But the, the other side of that too is I was I was out of pocket for that. You know what I mean? I had to I had to pay the apartment complex to repair that door. What are you gonna do? You know, yeah. <laughs> like what are you gonna do? Yeah. So that is what it is. <clears throat> All right, so we're we're hitting the mark where we can call this pretty soon. But what I'd like to it's already do already been an hour. No, it's been about fifty six minutes, Mike. Almost an hour. Almost nice. an hour. Yeah. Time flies. Yeah, it yeah. does, especially, especially when you're having a fun conversation. Yeah. yeah. Andrew's so, a great guy. Like uh, I enjoy t- spending time with Andrew. Oh, always a pleasure to hang out with Andrew. Yeah, I love you guys. Yeah, and uh, what I want to do is something I like to do, and I've done before. If you guys will listen to our one other like legitimate podcast that wasn't Mike Schumann is fucking balls off in my kitchen. <laughs> what I like to do is I like to ask my guests, you know, in the next five years, what are your goals and what are you trying to do with your life? And you can take a moment to think on it if a you want A five-year plan? Your a five-year plan? plan, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want it to just... And with you, I feel like I have to clarify this, especially since of what we already talked about. I'm not just talking about money. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, okay. I'm, right. not, I'm not just talking about money. I'm not talking about finances. Yeah. I'm talking about what the fuck do you mm-hmm. want to give Andrew? What do you want to give yourself? Mm. What do you want to do for yourself? Money can be a part of it for sure, yeah. but I don't want you to focus just on that. And the floor is yours, my friend. I appreciate that. Um, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but I really want to work on my network. I've been a little selfish focusing on me, right, my money, just a lot of self-centered things. And I love a lot of people. I love you guys. I love people. But I think I need to nurture relationships that I care about more. That's a big one. So in five years, I would like to probably for the first time in my life have a social circle of people who I call family. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mo- you know, move it to that next level. That's really a great point. Pour into my, my relationship. My grandpa, they used to call him Six Pack Jack because when he'd get off work or whatever, my grandpa, his name's Jack, Grandma Jack. You uh, don't fucking say. He'd, uh, he'd <laughs> grab a six pack and go to somebody's house because it's a perfect amount to share a couple beers with somebody and then by the time you're done with the sixer, head home. Time to go home. Him man. and then my dad's best friend, Bill, who passed away um, a while back. He was the same way, and one of the things I try to learn from him is like just call. Like on if you maybe set a day if you're a Monday through Friday type of person, every Sunday, you know, when you wake up or in the afternoon before you go to bed, call your brother, call your buddy Andrew, mm-hmm. call somebody that you're thinking about. You know, just spend that time to focus on your network. All right. Yeah. So what are the what are some of the things that you think you can do? And I ask this because I have I have some uh, input for you. But what are some of the things you think you can do? to achieve 
that five-year plan of the social, the, let's say that the social category of your five-year plan, what do you think that you can do to achieve that? Action steps? Yeah, I mean, I think, Mike, what you alluded to is great. Like, have a plan of whether it's once a day, once a week, whatever it is, reach out to somebody, a text, a call, a gift, mm -hmm. give, you know? Like, try to give more. Really yeah. focus on, yeah. you know, making a list of the people I love. And every day, you know, okay, who do I want to give something to? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be physical, right? Time, yeah. energy. Time, energy, Time. Yeah. anything. Uh, I think that's a major step. And then also, once a week or maybe once every two weeks, go out. Yeah, I think it's a big thing Go out to the bar, go out to a podcast, go out, travel, do something. We can help with that. <laughs> we yeah. can help with that. <laughs> the podcast I'm, and the going out. I'm going to Yuri's yeah. night after yeah. this, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I have other plans, but uh, Mike is doing something after this. If you don't have any, any reason, if you don't have a good excuse not to go out for a little while, you, Michael fucking... I, I leave you in capable hands if you go with him. So that's the social side, and I like that for you. I'm glad to hear you say that. That was a great that, response. That's what I would have wished. That's what I would have wished for if you were like a, a puppet sitting on my lap, and I could have spoke for you. That's what I would have wished for you. Nailed it. So let's talk about the financial part now. What are you trying to do in that sector? Um, you know, I would. Uh, I think. We are sitting at the greatest financial opportunity of our lifetimes. You say you this know? to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're like back at the, at the dot-com, you know, when the internet came out. Yeah, yeah. And so I have some high expectations financially. So I would like to, you know, uh, be financially free within 10 years. Five is a little fast. Yeah, but, but you want to be well on your way to that, well to on that my freedom. Way. Five years is... Halfway, halfway there, probably, ideally. Yeah, halfway there, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, financial and, freedom in five years is a good, it's a strong. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm about to be 29, so I have one year left in my 20s. Well, and so I think yeah. that's where a big part of my kind of just uh, realizations about my priorities needing to shift come from. Mm -hmm. Being like, damn. I will do say. You do physical things to um, add to those goals? Because um, I just pulled these out to show Travis, and I have a check that I wrote to myself a few years ago mm. for $100,000 yeah. by May 6, 2025. And it's. You can see it for those of you listening. You guys can't see this, but it's all it's a little beat. It's a little beat up, but beat there's pieces fuck. missing. But it's a check out of my actual check. That's actually probably that in, I wrote to myself. That check's probably in better shape than the condom you keep in your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't keep condoms yeah. in my wallet because I don't talk to girls. <laughs> 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 no, but yeah, you know, I do, I do I do physical things like this, which mm -hmm. I learned from motivational speakers like Jim Rohn and yep. you know some of the greats. But like, there's yeah. that. I have goals that I wrote down and keep behind my um, driver's license in my wallet. Um, and then just like mantras and shit. So, yeah. No, I haven't got into physically doing things. I think about them obsessively, but I think maybe putting is, them on paper would take is, them out of my real would take them out of my head. There yeah. is power in that. And I would recommend yeah. trying to start a little practice. I, I yeah. consider that to be like chaos magic. Yeah. When you're, you're putting something into existence. Mm -hmm. And I do that a lot. And that's a conversation for a whole other. It's podcast, very powerful. There's a guy named Simon Sinek who talks about, he has a Ted talk that is labeled white leader, why leaders eat last. And he discusses the chemical reactions in the brain and what they do for you. Mm -hmm. And as simple as writing a to-do list, like if you write a to-do mm -hmm. list and you physically see it, there's, some, there's a chemical reaction that happens in your brain when you cross that thing off that you did, you accomplished it. Mm -hmm. And so he said that he'll make his list and go about his day and check things off. And if he thinks of something or like that he did earlier in the days, oh yeah, I did that, I accomplished it. He'll write it down and then check it off again just so he can get that visual and get a little bit more of that chemical reaction in his brain. And on that note, I'm going to wrap it up. And I'm going to wrap it up by saying, Andrew, if intelligence and drive are any indication, I have no doubt that we will stand on top of mountains together, my brother. And it has been a pleasure to have you on the we'll podcast. And I look forward to having you again. 
we can do a reoccurring financial segment or anything in the future. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for being on my podcast. And thank you, Mike, as always, my brother, for helping me make this thing happen. Because with Happy you, I could not do it. Today was a little bit rougher for me. But, um, yeah, no, you, you were, it was great talking to you, Andrew. It's good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. Um, yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah, much love, guys. Thanks for having me. Wait, one more note. Andrew was another person that I forced to eat mushrooms on my last birthday, remember? They were like, damn, I wish I had mushrooms. I was like, yeah. I got something for you. It was like you. six in the morning. He's like, I think I have some mushrooms. That <laughs> yeah. was funny. That was a good time. All right, everybody. All right. We'll from talk Jer- more about that on another podcast. From Jerry Lago, signing out. I love you. Good night. Good night. Nice.